0: There was a cowboy who was traveling through Texas in his truck, of course, and he had his dog in the front seat with him, and uh, he was carrying his horse in the trailer behind him, and driving along one of our Texas highways, he took a turn too fast and had a wreck and horse and dog and cowboy went everywhere all over the highway and this patrolman comes along afterwards and sees this accident stops and gets off his bike and looks and there's the horse just breathing heavy and just writhing in pain and he he puts the poor animal out of his misery uh, with his revolver comes up to the dog and the dog's broken his neck and whining and uh, puts the dog out of his misery. Then comes up to the cowboy, who has both legs, multiple fractures, and uh, asks the cowboy, well, how are you doing? And the cowboy says, I've never felt better, thank you. (laughs) Well, it's one thing to say that you're doing well when your circumstances are bad. It's one thing to lie about it. But it's another thing to have hard circumstances and to actually be okay. The Lord Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble. And yeah, we don't want to believe that. We want to believe that somewhere there is some pain-free existence that we can find. If it's not this marriage, maybe that marriage. If it's not this job, maybe it's that job. If it's not this city, maybe it's that city. But I'll find it. The painless existence that really never is. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. In fact, the Bible goes on to say uh, that God is committed to shaping our character and the way that he does that is through trials. And so, there's no way to avoid it. In this life, we're gonna hurt. And we're gonna hurt pretty regularly. So how can we have joy amidst the fact that we're gonna hurt? How could Joseph, looking at the circumstances that he was in, have a joy that he had? Let's look. Genesis chapter 40, as David has, I kidded with him when he sat down beside me, I said, well, thank you for at least leaving the ap- an application for me to talk about this morning. He's told us the story of where Joseph is and where, how far he's come from being a slave to now he's a prisoner in this prison. And in Genesis 40 we begin, verse 1, with what you might call Joseph in a discouraging ward. Verse 1, It came about after these things. The cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, that's Pharaoh, offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, so he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail the same place where Joseph was imprisoned and the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them and he took care of them and they were in confinement for some time. You notice the place where they were all confined is in Potiphar's house. Remember last week Potiphar got mad at Joseph because Potiphar's wife had lied and said that Joseph had made advances that he hadn't. And so Joseph is put into prison. Well, the prison is part of Potiphar's house. We're told it put him in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. That's Potiphar. And so somewhere in in Potiphar's extensive house is this prison. And Joseph is put in it and the officers, these two officers, these two officials... The butler and the baker, the cupbearer is really a butler. He's, they're put there with him. Think about the times in your life where you've had major pivots. You know, insignificant things at first it seemed, but in hindsight you can look back and see where this incidental meaning with a person turned out to be. The Lord really used that in your life to make a big change. The changes happen in our lives through people rarely through circumstances, usually through people, it caused circumstances to happen. Uh, the job you got probably came through someone you knew, you probably live where you live now because of someone you knew, or for some personal reason, some relationship. I say that to say, don't take for granted the people that God puts in your life. You know, these people, insignificant perhaps to Joseph that day, he wouldn't have known, But the butler and the baker became very significant to Joseph in the days that followed. Because a circumstance happens now in verse 5, they have a dream that provides Joseph the opportunity to display his faith. Now, I don't know if you know it, but Joseph's been 11 years now in Egypt. The text hasn't told us, you kind of decipher that. In the next chapter we find out how old he was, subtract a couple of years from what it says. Joseph's 28 now. He came to Egypt when he was 17. And the butler and the baker are now join him. Verse 5, he, this opportunity comes. The, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night. Each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, We have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. There was a little boy one time who had a friend. And the little boy kind of bragged to the friend and said, My daddy and I know everything. And so the friend asked the kid a hard question. And the kid said, Well, that's one for my dad. You see, Joseph kind of had that same attitude without the arrogant part of it. He said, Do not interpretations belong to God? So tell it tell it to me. So this is something he hadn't even heard of the dreams yet, and he knew that he could interpret them. And here we get an insight into the faith of Joseph that has been silent, at least that we've seen regarding his dreams for 11 years now. Has he given up on his dreams in spite of the fact that he was taken away from the very ones he was supposed to rule over? Has he given up on his dreams in spite of the fact that he's a slave? Now in spite of the fact that he's unjustly accused and has been perhaps 10 years in this prison. Has he given up on those dreams? No, he hasn't because he's willing to interpret the dreams of the butler and the baker. He says, tell it to me. It's almost like a contradiction, isn't it? God can interpret the dreams, tell it to me. Well, we're supposed to tell it to you. God interprets the dreams. Joseph understands that he still still has his relationship with God and that he can interpret it. And so first of all, as he interprets the butler in verse 9, he gives him an encouraging word. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me, and on the vine there were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. So I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you. And please, do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. For I was, in fact, kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. You might miss it if you didn't look real closely, but Joseph calls the prison he's in by two different words. He calls it a house and a dungeon. The house, we know, is Potiphar's house. But the dungeon, literally the word he uses there, is a, the word for pit. It's the word that he used, or that was used back in the earlier chapters when Joseph was thrown down into the cistern. It's the same word. It's a pit. It's essentially a hole in the ground. Joseph isn't put into a modern facility that's almost halfway humane like our prison system today. It's it's well lit and everything. He was perhaps ten years so far in a hole in the ground. So it was perfectly right that he would ask the butler to remember that when when it went well for him that he would appeal to Pharaoh that he might be able to get him out of this place. And then he interprets the baker. And uh, the best that you can say about this is that Joseph gives him an honest answer. Verse 16. When the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And in the top basket, there there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh off you. What a good morning that was for this baker. Notice it was when the baker saw that Joseph had interpreted favorably. So he held back and waited to see what's going to happen. Now remember, Joseph clearly said, don't interpretations come from God? So they understood they were about to hear a word from God. Butler gave forth his dream and it was a good, favorable answer. So the baker says, okay, I'll give it a shot. The world is like this. We are like this. Even those of us who come here and read the Bible. We don't want to hear what God has to say to us unless it's favorable. We'll hold back. So it looks like the word from God's going to be encouraging. The world that we live in has so skewed the idea of tolerance that that, that phrase is ripped out of context and says judge, judge not lest ye be judged the idea of being don't tell me anything negative. I don't want to hear anything negative from God. We take the mindset of thumper on Bambi. Remember that way back when? Actually, I think it was Thumper's mom who told Thumper, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. That's what we tell God. God, I love you and all, but if you can't say anything nice to me, don't say anything at all. And if I go to church and they don't say something nice to me, then I'm not going back. I'm sure it was hard for Joseph to tell the honest-to-God truth to this guy. And I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me and Brian a lot of times to stand up here and tell the honest to God truth to you. But we aren't doing you a service if we aren't honest what the Bible says and what God says both positively and negatively. The world wants to hear the message, well, God loves everybody and everybody's going to heaven. That all roads lead to heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible says. That's idolatry. That's putting God in your image, making God what you want Him to look like rather than looking at what the Bible says. People, a lot of people look at Jesus and say, oh, he was nothing but an encourager. Well, that's true, but he was more than that. He also told the Pharisees a thing or two that I wouldn't want to hear. He had some wrath to talk about, too. We need to hear both. We need to hear that we're sinners so that we'll be motivated to trust in the Lord Jesus who died on the cross to pay for our sins, that we may have our sins forgiven. What makes the good news good is the bad news. And the good news is, there's forgiveness. The bad news is, you need forgiveness. And Joseph had the guts to tell him the honest truth. You know, I think it would have been really funny to sit in a corner and watch the next three days. And if the butler had some wit, he could have had fun with the baker. What day is it today, Baker? Second day or the third day? I forget. Boy, I just think, on the third day, I'll be back in Pharaoh's house again, giving him the wine again. What are you going to be doing? I forget. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. I hear birds. (laughs) He could have had some fun with the guy. And if we had had enough foresight, this would have been a good skit to do here. But uh, guess what happened on the third day? Well, no surprise. Just what Joseph said. An accurate prediction. Verse 20. It came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had interpreted to him, Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. It's interesting that the phrase is used, he lifts up the head. That can mean two different things. It can mean to honor, and it can mean to lift your head off. So in kind of an ironic way, it's spoken of both of them. They were both lifted up. And yet, the one who lived, the one whom Joseph said, remember me, we're told that the butler forgot him. Notice, notice Joseph didn't ask the baker to remember him. Figured, what use is that? Well, as we consider how we can apply this today, I'd like to take that very last verse as the very first application and ask the question who or whom has God used in our lives we've forgotten? How many Josephs are still in the prison because of our ingratitude? I remember hearing Bonnie Raitt, uh, or not hearing, but reading that she, when she was a nobody she said that she had a buddy, a fellow singer, who, whichever one of them made it first, they would help the other. And uh, as soon as Bonnie Raitt made it to fame, she kept her, kept her deal and she helped out this guy. Of course, he, I guess he's not any good because we don't know who he is. I don't even remember the guy's name. But she kept her part of the bargain. But we are, uh, we are a lot less like Bonnie Raitt was and a lot more like this butler. Think of the people that God has used and brought into your life whom we have not thanked or whom we have forgotten and not considered how significant they were. It may be that you need to make a phone call or write a letter. As I was doing this text this week, I thought of a person that I hadn't thanked, and I did so uh, because of this. God uses people in our lives. And it's, it's difficult to, uh, to be a person who's forgotten. We all have experienced this, to have done something for someone and to be ignored, to do something at work and the other guy gets the promotion. Uh, to be helpful to somebody in some way, and you're ignored. It really tests your motivation for why you did it, doesn't it? Did you do it to get recognized? Did you do it for the Lord, or did you do it for yourself? Joseph had done a great thing for this guy, and the guy forgot him. I remember G. Campbell Morgan reading, he said that, he heard a lesson on this whole chapter. In fact, the, the sermon, the pastor just got up and just read the chapter and made one sentence and then sat down. Well, oh, wouldn't that be great? For you and for me. And he read this whole chapter and then he read the last one about the butler forgetting and then he closed his Bible and he said, and his name isn't always butler. And then he sat down. With the thought being, we need to be thankful. And to not forget those whom God has used in our lives. And undoubtedly, as soon as the butler and the baker were taken away, each to their destiny, Joseph was thinking, all right, surely by now, a couple of days ago by, surely by now, the butlers told Pharaoh about my plight. And you know, you know that Joseph was sitting there waiting. Every time that door opened, waiting, is this it? Will I be released? Will I get to go home to my family now? But it didn't happen. Every time that door opened, it was not for Joseph. And yet, you know that he could take encouragement. Because though his dream, now 11 years old, hadn't been fulfilled, he knew he still was able to interpret dreams correctly. And that God wasn't done with him. And with that in mind, that takes us to the the next application. That is... When you're praying, don't equate a delay with a deaf ear. Don't equate a delay with a deaf ear. Just because there is a delay doesn't mean God is ignoring you. Let's look at the last verse again and now borrow a verse from next week, from the next chapter. Chief Cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Now it, came, or now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream and then it goes on and he needs that dream interpreted. Guess who they call to do it? But after two years, that's the killer. Joseph sat and waited for that door for two more years. Why does God delay in answering our prayers and sometimes so long? I see a couple of reasons our story shows us. The first is that the delay tests us. See who we're going to trust. See, if God always answered our prayers right away, He'd be nothing more to us than a sugar daddy. Nothing more than a a genie we go to and and rub His belly three times and He gives us what we want. There would be no relationship. There would be no trust. There would be no dependence on our Heavenly Father. He'd just be the gift horse we go to whenever we need something. I want you to look at a chart that summarizes really, in a neat way, this chapter. And I think that when Moses wrote this, he did this on purpose. You can see, Joseph met them, the first four verses. He inquired about them. What's wrong? He inquired about their dreams. Then he explained, first of all, the butler's dream, and he gives gives a request. Then this uh, symmetry, you might say, or this mirror, starts going the other direction. He explains now the baker's dream and the inquiry is fulfilled, or what's wrong, and now the fulfillment happens. And is opposite to the meeting, now you have the forgetting. And right in the middle, the point of this is the emphasis of the request. Why is the request the emphasis in this chapter? You look at all the time that Joseph's been down there, you haven't heard one peep, one complaint out of him, have you? and yet now we we get one finally. Why is that significant? Well, you know that all this time Joseph's been praying. You know it, that he's been praying. And for the butler to come in now and to have this dream that Joseph knows he's going to go to Pharaoh, here's an opportunity, this Joseph takes as an answer to prayer. I really think he does. Takes it as an answer to prayer, and he says, Butler, would would you remember me when it goes well for you? And the thing is, this was an answer to prayer. This was what God used to get Joseph out of the prison. But he didn't do it for two years. That's the killer. That God waits. It was an answer to prayer. And yet, what do you think Joseph thought a year and a half into this? A year and a half into those two years? You think he thought, "Oh, it's just another door slammed in my face. He could have thought, Lord, I'm getting real tired of this. I was faithful. My brothers were evil. I'm the one that got sold. I was faithful. Potiphar's wife was evil. I'm the one that's in prison. I was faithful. These other two guys, whatever, about them. But I'm not. I'm still in prison. But you don't see Joseph doing that. He has a good attitude about it. The second reason, I think, the first reason why God delays to test to see if we trust Him. The second one is that the answers to our prayers are really best in God's timing. Why'd it take two years? Well, if God had answered immediately, perhaps Joseph could have uh, been freed and been able to go back to Canaan. But he would not have gone back to Canaan as a ruler. His dreams would not have been fulfilled. You see, God loves us. Sometimes he will let us wait rather than pacify our impatience with a cheap substitute. He will wait and let us squirm and let us wonder where he is because he loves us so much that we will wait for his best. And his best is worth waiting for. Do you think it was worth Joseph to wait two more years to become the ruler of all Egypt and to do the wonderful things we're going to see happen? You know it was. In fact, you have that very statement come out of his mouth. And yet, at the time, you just got to wonder what he was thinking. You know he was firm in his faith because you see his willingness to interpret the dreams. And yet, you know it had to have been difficult on him don't equate a delay with a deaf ear. God wants to know if you trust Him. And He's also waiting for the circumstances to be right so that when He answers, it'll be His best for you. Not some cheap substitute. And if you know God hasn't forgotten you, if you know that He will answer your prayers, then this can help you on the third point, and that is your attitude. Attitude is the quality of life, not. Circumstances. And I want to be real honest with you. It's at this point I wish that I could keep talking and also get down and sit right there and take copious notes. Because this is a struggle for me to not let circumstances determine my attitude. Man, that's hard. Prison was not easy for Joseph. As Moses writes this, he's really pretty gracious about the things that he mentions. The the worst thing that we see is Joseph calls it a pit or a dungeon. And yet Psalm 105 gives us a little more insight into what Joseph went through. Look at the screen. God sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass the word of the Lord tested him. All this time Joseph is in irons, in fetters. God's testing him. Do you believe me? These dreams that you've had, do you believe me? Testing him. To be afflicted with fetters and irons, that's not a small thing. Joseph could have easily been complaining, said, Lord, why me? But in this discouraging situation, we saw in verse 7, what did he say to those officials? He asked the officials, why are your faces so sad today? You think about yourself. When you're down and having a, a pity party, as Kathy calls it, when you're having a pity party on yourself and you're down about your own struggles, did you really care what so, when someone else is going through something? No, you don't want to hear about it. You don't want to ask them, why are your faces down today? They may tell you. And that's something else you've got to bear. How could Joseph, being the circumstances that he was in, have asked this? Why are your faces so sad today? The implication to me is Joseph wasn't sad that day and yet he'd been there a whole lot longer than they had. A guy named Viktor Frankl uh, was in a German concentration camp. This is the guy that followed Sigmund Freud in Vienna. He's a brilliant man. He was in a German concentration camp and he said that as time went on you could almost tell who was going to live and who was going to die because the ones who were going to live were the ones who shaved. The thought being they had hope today might be the day Listen to what he wrote He said any attempt to restore a man's inner strength in the camp had first you had to first succeed in showing him some future goal He said everything can be taken from a man but one thing to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances This is hard David would you come up here and do this This is hard When my girls, uh, my daughters, are fighting in the back seat, my attitude changes. It is hard. Hard. And yet, it's attitude that determines the quality of your life. Kids are going to do that, they're sinners they're going to fight. I did it when I was a kid. I'm a sinner. Why do, I, why do I want a pain-free existence? Why is it that the only way I think that there can be peace or calmness in our car, in our homes, in our jobs, in our church, is to holler out, if you say that one more time, I'm going to stop the car and You don't fight sin with sin. You overcome evil with good. Attitude is the quality of life. Chuck Swindoll wrote a paragraph that I really like. It's famous. In fact, I hope you've heard it. He says, Words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude toward life. The longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and ninety percent how we respond to it. I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is my choice of attitude. It's more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, any successes or failures, fame or pain, what other people think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position. Attitude keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my fires or assaults my hopes. When my attitudes are right, there's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. What is your attitude in your home? Is it always stressful? Is it always uptight? Is a bad day always your reason for being so short-tempered? Friends, if we are looking for a pain-free existence as the means by which we will have a joyful life, we will never have a joyful life. There's going to be sinners who sin. You've got to learn to have an attitude of joy in spite of your circumstances. How did Joseph do that? How was Joseph able to actually care about these officials and say what he said? God is with you in whatever trial you're going through right now. Lord Jesus himself, back one of the last things he said that he wanted us to remember before he ascended into heaven after he gave that great commission that we're to go and tell everybody we can about the Lord Jesus and then to teach them to obey all that he's commanded then he made the statement and I'm with you until the very end of the age we're not alone in this and I think that Joseph's strength came from the fact that he knew God hadn't forgotten him God still had a future for him and you may feel like you are in a pit in Egypt Forgotten by your family, like Joseph was. Forgotten by all justice, like Joseph was. In a hopeless situation. And yet, Joseph was able to care for others. So can we. It's the attitude we choose. If you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus, you need to realize I need to realize God is with us. And he is there and he promises to give you strength to take the next step. You know, Joseph didn't know how long he was going to be there. The the baker and the uh, butler had a time in their dream. It was three days. We're going to see next week, Pharaoh had a time in his dream. It was 14 years. Joseph didn't know how long. He didn't know that he wasn't going to be there until he was an old man. But one thing he did know, regardless of how long it took, is that God had not forgotten him. God was going to answer his prayers. And that the promises that God had made to this young man would come true. That is the same confidence that you and I can have today. It's not just pie in the sky. Theology. It's real life. Let's pray together. Lord, we can look at the life of this young man and so easily identify, though very few of us have had to go through any of the pain that he has gone through of being completely abandoned and forgotten by everybody, but not by you. Lord, I know that there are those who are here today who are desperately hurting, who are looking to you for any sign of hope and strength and a reason to live. God, you've shown us that reason. You've not forgotten us. You are with us. You have a future for us, a future that is good if we will, but like Joseph, faithfully follow you and not quit. Lord, we have forgotten many other people who have been used in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would bring them to mind, that we might express our appreciation to them, and forgive those who have forgotten us, like Joseph certainly did. And take confidence, Lord, that you have not forgotten, that though our prayers delay their answer, you do not have a deaf ear. You hear us. You will answer. But you'll do it in your time. Until then, Lord, give us a good attitude to focus on the joy that is ours in the Lord Jesus and not focus on our bad circumstances. With your strength today, we believe and do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you.